is up this is will decker your host of the bruin bible we got a very special guest in the house my main man from locked on ucla bruins zach anderson yoxheimer zach what is going on my dude uh nothing much just a beautiful midweek day and i can't wait to get more on this podcast done how's it going on with you dude doing good out here in la uh nice little wednesday we had getting things ready for the ucla spring ball i think there's a lot of great storylines going into that but doing your background, dude, and kind of doing my research on what you bring to the table, play-by-play guy, you work for Cal Poly Athletics right now. I'm a play-by-play guy. I did my stuff at University of Memphis, did some stuff at Stanford, now down in the L.A. area. going to probably be doing some stuff with UCLA come the softball season. What made you want to get into the play-by-play realm? Because it is my favorite version of sports media. It's kind of you, you know, dictating. You're almost the conductor of a symphony, if you will, you know, for the audience and getting them ready and informing them and telling them all about what's going on in the game. I mean, definitely it's my favorite part of the sports media too. It's fun doing podcasts and doing little research and having a different way to talk and get together and talk to fans, but play by play, there's nothing like it, whether it's you're sitting there, you can watch a game, you broadcast a game and then the emotions that it takes you through an individual game while trying to tell it to the fans. It, there's just nothing like it other than maybe playing and trying to be a fan, talking is like the close, you know, play-by-play is as close as you can get to bringing, um, you know, words to life, being within the sports world and just bring it to, bringing it together. Dude, I love it. Give me quickly, like, who are some of the influences that made you want to be a play-by-play guy? I mean, I'm a big L.A. guy, so all my L.A. sports, for the most part, you know, you have – I remember I did an early podcast episode, and I remember going back after Vince Scully passed, how many legendary uh, Los Angeles voices there are in addition to many other legendary voices. But just growing up, there's so many voices. Of course, I'm younger, so Chick Hearn was kind of done before my Laker fandom really began. But Vin Scully is a big Dodger fan, voice of the Summers. And then just kind of listening to like the new wave, like a Joe Davis, seeing what the new guys sound like and the new wave of broadcasters sound like. I know those are more Dodger-based, but you know Vin Scully, a Joe Davis, and then you just kind of listening to any voice and learning and picking up what to do or what not to do in every broadcast. It's fun to critique anytime I'm watching a game now. Love it, dude. Yeah. Vin Scully is the goat. I don't think anyone could debate that called so many great games and thoughts going on, but we got to steer the conversation back to our UCLA Bruins. Zach, a uh, lot of big things have happened this off season, you know, after that disappointing loss to Pitt in the bowl game, we're able to get Dante Moore. We've got an influx of transfers coming in. And one of the hot topics I've seen, you know, on social media, following these people on Twitter and just, you know, being in touch with the fan base is they're very divided on Chip Kelly and what he brings to the table. He is 27 and 29 in his tenure, Zach, as the head coach for UCLA. Granted, the first couple, three seasons were not great, but he's 17 and eight in the last two seasons. Seems to be turning the tide a little bit. He's always you know, kind of hitting in the transfer portal, was able to get Mr. Moore, who we talked about previously. Where do you sit on this, you know, Chip Kelly side of the fence? Because he has a lot of strengths and he has a lot of weaknesses. 
you know, that have really plagued UCLA fans over these last five years. Well, if you're watching the podcast, I'm going to let's yeah, let's, this is what I decided hey. to wear on the pod. So I decided, Hey, and I have no, I've wore different shirts on my own pod, but I was like, all right, let's bust out. If you're not listening, if you're not watching, it's the chip shirt, an old chip giveaway <laughs> shirt. So I, I'll be honest after the way the Bruins finished the season, Will, I wasn't fully sold after losing to USC, after the Arizona loss, you get disappointed. And we're going to leave the pit loss away because that was after all the transfer portal stuff came in. You're just kind of frustrated because UCLA had one of the easiest schedules that they've ever had with one of their better teams in under Chip Kelly and in recent memory after the more years faded away with Josh Rosen. They had a chance to compete. And considering who won the Pac-12 and played in the Rose Bowl, I believe the Bruins smacked the Utes back in what, October it was? They beat them, and you could say, hey, who was in the top 10 at the end? What, Washington? UCLA, the first three quarters, smacked them around, and Michael Penix Jr. in that. So seeing how they built and then kind of just collapsed every, you know, typical UCLA fan, here we go again, woe is me, you know, missing those good years when they were good and didn't choke. Chip Kelly has built every year. It's tough when you have a cross town with Lincoln Riley who just – snap of a finger, flick of a, you know, whatever it is, the team's good already with the new transfer portal age. And it's almost, you wonder what if Chip Kelly picked up right now, as opposed to 2018, right? When that was right. When the transfer portal stuff became a true thing. So if he picked it up now, as opposed to five years ago, maybe the program would be better off as opposed to this slow burn and build to what Chip Kelly's been really figuring out. This is a little different from when he came from Oregon you know, building a program here, it's, oh, now I can turn my program into a good to a great one year to year based on what's out there. So initially after the season, frustrated. Then all of a sudden, Dante Moore became available and I didn't think he could get him. And then he proved he can go in the portal and get guys and then get Dante Moore as a high school kid. And I think that really turned a lot of people around, including myself. Yeah. And, you know, I think the bowl game was so frustrating because, we lost to Pitt without their four best players playing in the ball game. You know, Keaton Slovis transferred to BYU. Kalija Kansi sat out for the draft. Israel Abinaconda, this guy was a very talented running back, All-American, you know, on, on different teams around the country, sat out for the draft. Servokia Dennis, out. If you were to hypothetically go to each opponent this year and go, hey, we'll play you, but your four best players can't play, you should win every single one of those games, hypothetically. And the fact that we lost in the matter that we did, you know, Nick Patty was looking like a young Joe Montana on that last drive, leading the drive down there for Pitts. It was frustrating as hell. But where I would go back with this is I think he's finally taking the steps necessary to address the problems that have really plagued him, you know, in the program for that matter. I think as a UCLA fan, the secondary has been the Achilles heel under Chip Kelly. We have led up in the hundreds, you know, multiple years and just passing yards allowed per game. For instance, last season was 117th in pass defense in terms of yards allowed per game, 116th in the nation in first downs allowed. I mean, Zach, I'm, I think there's 131 FBS teams in that range. That's not a good number anyway around, is it? So it's tough, but, you know, I think Brian Norwood is officially out. We got this new young corners coach in and Cody Whitefield, who I'm really excited about. And the offense, I mean, let's, let's frankly, you know, just lay it out there. There's maybe not two or three offensive minds, in my opinion, that are as good as the likes of a Chip Kelly year in and year out with what he has in the cupboard. There's a reason Dante Moore wanted to come to UCLA. You know, we led the country in yards per rush last year when it came to it. 
And you couple that with getting the Dante, our transfer recruiting class. I think we're number two in the entire country now, you know, trailing only the likes of a Florida state. So things are going well this off season. I think it was the off season chip needed to kind of keep the momentum moving forward. So I'm glad that was your stance on that. Dante Moore. Let's talk about the big elephant in the room, Zach. Mm-hmm. Five-star quarterback. I think everyone, after watching that outstanding performance at the All-American game, four touchdowns. He had two touchdown passes in like the first three minutes of the ball game. It was ridiculous. I keep trying to tell people, as good as Dante is, and he may be the best recruit UCLA's ever had, it's going to be really tough for him to win the quarterback battle. You know, Colin Schley, this guy is a transfer. He has something both, you know, he and Garbers don't have in terms of double-digit starts to his name. Garbers, I've been saying this all year, like, if you put this guy on Oregon State's team, I'd like to see what the Beavers looked like because the Beavers had a great defense. This is going to be a a real hard job to win, you know, as a true freshman. Zero to 100%, Zach, where would you put Dante Moore, the likelihood of him winning the starting job come September? I would put it probably somewhere in the 60s, and then you could probably split it leaning more towards Slee as the number two best option, and then Garber's number wow. three. And then, for me, I think that there's no reason not to start Dante Moore, even if Schley's a little bit better, in my case. It depends how much better Schley is in a practice or Garber's. How much better those guys are than Moore. If it's clear that, hey, one guy's better and Moore needs that year to sit down, then, okay, then you have to go with him. But considering, you know, guys, they leave quickly and there's the portal and all that stuff. I would say start more and see what you have kind of right away and try and build something. Because as much as Chip Kelly's built in the portal, we all know this team is readying itself for the Big Ten transition. And why not have yourself ready by the time Dante Moore is a sophomore and a junior, get that clock starting on, is this a guy? Or even though Schley, you know, he still has a couple years, right? And then Garbers technically does too. Why not find out if Dante Moore is legitimate? We see in the highlights, we see the rankings. They don't always pan out. Let's find out if Dante Moore has it. But if it's a clear, clear divide between this is a young kid who needs another year to understand this, and while we like to hand the ball off quite a bit, we need someone who can deal with both sides of it, let's give it to Slee year one. I would want Dante Moore, but I still think 60% Dante Moore at this moment of course, everybody's early on with campus and whatnot, quarter system starting. 60% Dante Moore, and I want him to start. Just throw him in there. Even if it's terrible, just, just go. Because we all know the Pac-12 will be extremely, extremely competitive, even more so than this most recent season. It's going to be crazy with Oregon bringing their quarterback, USC, Washington, Oregon State getting DJ. You could argue there's even more competition that we don't know what will come out of it. Just start more. Let's see what happens. I mean, keep going too. I mean, like Cam Rising might be the fourth or best. Oh, yeah. I for, you forgot fifth. Cam Rising. Yeah. Just best quarterback in the conference. And this guy's been in two Rose Bowls in the last two years. So, I mean, just special, special talent. Maybe the most loaded we've ever had. And I want to go back to your point because Garbers is in the system, but you have Schley as the number two guy. And I like to take, you know, he's he provides more of the dual threat ability that I think DTR brought which I think is an element of Chip's offense that he likes to use, the quarterback position. Almost 500 yards of rushing last year, 17 total touchdowns to go with over 2,000 yards passing. What makes Schley over Garbers for you before spring ball, uh, just in your opinion, man? 
there's a reason they brought in two quarterbacks. We don't exactly fully know. We, we, Garbers is capable, right? We saw him practically led what should have been a game-winning touchdown drive with DTR on the bench. But you could see when they were backed up on their own two-yard line in that bowl game, they ran no offensive. They ran no basically no place. The drive before when he came in is at the two. They didn't. It didn't seem like they trusted themselves to run a play backed up in their own end zone and force their defense to get a stop, which they did. They just couldn't get the most important stop of the game. Besides that, there's a reason they got these guys. They said Schley's talented, which I think, all right, this is a guy who could compete for the starting job. And then they found out they could go get Dante Moore. So I'm cool with Garbers, but I just think Schley gives a little bit more dynamic. You know, he didn't have the craziest of numbers, but he's rated as highly as a transfer as he is for a reason. And Chip Kelly must see something that we don't. But Garbers is clearly not that dual-threat guy that it kind of needs to really thrive in his offense. Yeah, no, I like the take. I think Schley is going to be a guy you're going to have to beat off with a stick to keep the starting job. This guy was a starter at the D1 level, at least prior to this. Uh, so I like the take. Dante Moore, Schley, Garbers for my guy, Zach Anderson, Yoxheimer, when it comes to the quarterback position, coming into spring ball. Let's go to the transfer portal because – Every year we have proven to get impact players from this, starting with the likes of Aquantrez Knight, Zach Charbonnet, probably the best tailback, at least talent-wise, that UCLA has had in 20-plus years. Uh, Liatu Latu, the story of UCLA football in terms of the edge-rushing position last year, double-digit sacks. He's coming back. All these guys acquired in the transfer portal. Who are some of the names that are standing out to you early you know, in the process of, as guys that could jump in right away and make some big-time plays for UCLA? I mean, quite honestly, almost every single transfer he's got is arguably someone that is supposed to plug a hole, right? You've got the recent Kadir Kunta, who just came in, should be starting at left tackle with uh, Raekwon O'Neal gone. You have Spencer Holstead, a Big Ten transfer from Purdue. Those are offensive line gets. And, you know, that's not sexy when you see Kyle Ford, J. Michael Sturdivant. You see all the skill positions, but the offensive line is crucial. But still, you can go up and down the line. You've got Maliki Matzaval, the transfer from Oregon, the tight end. You can find the two running backs he's bringing in, one from Army. Carson Steele, who's, yeah. you know, obviously the, the hair, the looks, the personality, what, the alligator he owns or something? Yeah, they, he's got it all. You've got, what, Jake Heimlicher from Penn, who is up for the Buck Buchanan Award. Jordan Anderson, what was, what, a four-star safety transfer. Oladejo from Cal. It's just up and down the line. I can just be reading off names. I think he got all these guys for specific reasons. And while not every recruit, not every guy in the portal will work, there's a reason he's got all these guys. And quite honestly, I think he's expecting all these guys to fill a role. You can go up to Blake Glessner as the kicker. They, you yeah. know, you have, you have Nico Barmira transfer out as a grad transfer to Mississippi State. He's got all these guys for a reason. So I think he's expecting every one of them to contribute whether they are spectacular and they're Zach Charbonnet, that's a, that's a tough, that's a tough, you know, hill to climb, but to be a starter and be serviceable, I think you can go up and down the line and see Steele can be competing for that starting job and maybe could be the leading guy in spring ball. The two offensive linemen Ford and Sturdivant give UCLA some outside threats to go along with their bring what with what they're bringing back that they haven't have maybe in what Jake Bobo brought arguably could be better than what Jake Bobo did this season. So I'm just kind of ranting going back and forth, Will, but I think all these guys, for the most part, these are just the D1 transfers, not even including the JUCO guys that could come in. They're all here for a reason. 
And I think they could all have some significant impact one way or another. I love it, man. And for me, I think there's like four guys that really stand out as players that I'm expecting to come in and contribute maybe a little bit more than the rest of the pack. Sturdivant, number one. I just think the size and speed combination with this guy, one of my favorite writers in college football, Bruce Feldman, tweeted out like early candidate for the freaks list, six foot three, 205, runs a 10, four, nine, you know, 100 meter. I mean, this guy can fly. Uh, so really, really excited about J. Michael Sturdivant. And you couple that with just the production level he was able to put up for a Cal team, frankly, was not that great. But nope. I mean, Jack Plummer was slinging the ball against us that game. I don't think that was the case for the entire year. So really pumped to see Sturdivant come out. I think Carson Steele, just from a production level and what he was able to do. I mean, this guy was eighth nationally in terms of rushing the football. You know, yeah, he's even like what higher up before the bowl games too. He he's he's big time. He's a beast, dude. And he gives me a little like, you know, poor man's Christian McCaffrey kind of vibe, you know, a little shit. Better hair, Maybe though. Better hair. Yeah, yeah. Better hair for sure, dude. I, I, I'm fully on board with that. He's got a gator, too. He's kind of like a southern version of McCaffrey, if you will. I just like everything he's bringing to the table. Um, you know, and I think Oladijo is the guy, I think, from Cal. You know, this guy had a 17 tackle game against UCLA, 90 plus tackles. And you pair that with the likes of Adarius Muwasau, who is coming back for another year of action. John John Vons, we saw, you know, make a little jump last year into a very solid starter with Ken Norton Jr. being the linebacking coach there. So I think that in, in terms of the linebacking unit we have with Oladijo Muwasau and Vons, I think if, you know, you reach that ceiling for what that could potentially be, easily the best linebacking core we've had with the Chip Kelly era. And the one that's huge for me, and I know you mentioned this earlier, not the sexiest of positions, Spencer Holsteach, you know, because you look at PFF came out with their top 10 rated guards, you know, from the last season. Number three was Antonio Maffi, and number seven was John Gaines. You have to replace that production up there. You get a guy who started in the Big Ten for 30-plus games, a guy that's going to be able to plug those holes. I'm really, really excited about what Holsteach can bring. So maybe not the sexiest position, but, like, you, you battle with the trenches, you're going to be very, very good come football season. So I like those four guys off the top of my head, Zach. And and another funny thing to add, too, I don't want to interrupt you, but no. it's funny. Look at the guys who Chip Kelly got in games that UCLA played against. What, a George, you know, Jordan Anderson from Bowling Green. I know he's not really on our list, but then what, Ford, Sturdivant from SC and Cal, Oladejo from Cal. It's just kind of funny to see maybe the worst thing for other teams is playing UCLA because Chip Kelly might be like, you don't know how to use them and I'm just going to take them. And he just fits our motto, whether it's graduating the extra COVID year, it's just kind of funny Four guys, couple of them on your list and of the top four that he just says, Oh, we played them. I liked how he played, especially Oladeju, I think was the most impressive individual performance against UCLA this season with that 17 tackle game. It's just funny how, that's the worst thing that you have a big game. He might be on that team next year. It's just funny <laughs> how it's become a real thing in college football and sports. Coaches are going to have to hide Chip Kelly from the handshake line at the end of the game because I mean he's probably whispering in their ear, "Hey, I don't know what you're doing next summer, but come check out what we got going on here at the Rose Bowl." So love it, man. And that leads me to my next question, dude. Running back room is loaded next year. I mean, we're talking about Carson Steele. Adkins, Keegan Jones is a very productive back who's coming back. Um, you know, we got TJ Harden, who I believe is probably the next UCLA Bruin that Deshaun Foster 
and Chip are going to put into the NFL. If you had to pick an RB1 going into next year, is it Steele or is it Harden? Because I think those are the two leaders of the pack, at least on paper for me, going into spring ball. You got to give the rock to one guy. Who are you going with, Zach? I mean, Steele did it for a full season. Harden did it in a little brief moment during the bowl game with Charbonnet out just waiting to declare for the NFL draft. Based on multiple games, I think Steele, but Harden has like that just special potential. So I'm not sure why they can't both be immediately useful to a UCLA running back room. Maybe Steele 1A and then Harden 1B. But we'll see how they utilize them in different ways. I would think Steele initially, but I certainly wouldn't be surprised if Harden's number one, considering what was the big touchdown run that should have won the game against Pitt. It's just, I would say Steele number one, considering what he did with an offensive line that was not UCLA's. And then, you know, Harden, he ran behind the UCLA line, but what can Steele do with a UCLA offensive line? That might not be what it was in 2022, but if Chip Kelly is plugged and found the right guys to fix what Mafi brought and John Gaines got right. Raekwon O'Neal, just all these guys. Then I think Steele should be number one with what he did against top tier to- competition at a lesser university. Totally. And I think that's going to be the approach for the first five to six games. You know, I think they're going to do the committee approach, you know, maybe not have that singular bell cow like they've had the last two years in Charbonnet. But I think once we establish that six games, you know, get through the out of conference in the first few in the pac 12, there's going to come a time where it's crunch time and we got to figure out, you know, it's that third and short or fourth and short. We got to get this first down, who you go into and why. And I just, I feel like Harden made such an impact in what he was able to achieve and not only the bowl game, but the cow game the week before I thought, I thought he was phenomenal in the cow game. I just really am excited on this guy. So I think I'd be one, a Harden one B steel. I really want to see what steel does. And I know he was phenomenal at everything in the Mac. I just want to see that in the Pac-12. If he's anything close to what he was in the MAC, he's probably 1A, but I think it's going to be really fun to kind of watch the dualities of these guys, two very different running backs and running styles, kind of clash together and, you know, compete for that starting job. So I'm really pumped on those. Wide receiver room, Zach. Uh, you would have, you would assume that Sturdivant would be number one, but of the returning, you know, receivers, the Cam Browns, the TMAs, the Logan Loyas, who are you most excited to see next year with maybe the first time we've had a pro style quarterback, you know, since the likes of Wilton Spate back in 2017, 2018, you know, any one of those guys, I was asking which one of these guys will stand up in the bowl game and Mokiel Atimalala, I think maybe had what the best catch Cam Brown had the numbers. Logan Loya had the biggest touchdown catch out of all of them against Utah to maybe ice that game away earlier on this season. So they all have contributed significantly for UCLA throughout some way, some fashion. I think Titus Mokial Atamalala sits atop the list, then Cam Brown, and then Loya. But at any given moment, those guys can go off. We saw with UCLA this season, especially with DTR quarterback, there wasn't, while he did love Jake Bobo, there's games Jake Bobo didn't touch the football. And it's not like they had a lethal tight end like Dolchich the year before. They were hitting Iziki and Havermill. So they're throwing the ball all around the field. So I think it's TMA, and then probably... As I mentioned, I have to blank it off the top of my head, but it would be Logan Loya and then Cam Brown as the kind of middle guys with the returners, one, two, and three. But I think that's not a bad three to have back, not the most explosive, sexy three to have, but then you pair that with what they got in the portal, then those are sneaky guys that can slither into an opening 
and then go break one for a big catch. What I like about all three of those guys is they kind of fit the mold of a slot wide receiver as Kyle Ford and Sturdivant, big, big bodied receivers, six, three and six foot four respectively. So, you know, Cam Brown able to get in and out of his breaks. TMA I'm, I'm with you, man. I think he is my favorite of what I've seen potential wise. I'm really excited to see him in more of a pro style system this year. So TMA would be probably my number one. I have so much Loya stock, man. And like, if there was an island dedicated to the fan base of Logan Loya, I've been there. I've planted my flag. I'm ready for him to blow up. Made the arguably the biggest play of the year, you know, for being honest with the game ceiling 70 plus yard touchdown against Utah. I'm ready to see that, you know, with just maybe three to four targets a week. You know, that's all I want to see with a guy like Loya. So a lot of, you know, exciting, you know, uh, progressions, if you will, with the wide receiver room, Zach. And that will just transition us right to the tight end room. Habermill's coming back. Uh, he's a guy I'm very high on. Carson Ryan is a guy that I think has been lost a little bit. He was really productive at the beginning of the season. You know, unfortunately got injured and he kind of tailed off in terms of playing time. And then Matavo, the, the tight end from Oregon. This guy's got a touchdown to his name from the horseshoe like at Ohio State, you know, a few years prior. Another loaded room where Chip has added, you know, different pieces either in recruiting or the transfer portal. Who's your number one tight end, you know, so far in spring ball? I mean, one, they lost, what, Ezekiel? They lost Mike Martinez. We can't forget one of their best blocking tight Great ends before the season. So we kind of had to figure out what Maliki Matzavau could bring maybe in both ways, blocking and receiving. I, I would think Matzavau might be number one. Habermill could be, if, if depending on what Matzavau's blocking you know, repertoire is and how well he fits into the scheme heading into spring ball, he could easily become the number one and Habermill could just come spell him the rest, which – wouldn't be a bad thing considering we've seen him catch a couple of touchdowns, earn that scholarship late in his career. So I think Matzavau number one, but if it's, if his route running isn't to Chip Kelly's liking, he's not reading what he needs to see defensively. It could be more blocking for Matzavau. And then early season, maybe you could say Habermill getting a couple of passes before Matzavau is fully engaged. But I would think Maliki Matzavau, the Oregon transfer, I, I would think, you know, as I said during that, when you asked about the transfers, I gave that bland answer of simply saying, I like them all. And it's because I like all the transfers. He gets them for a reason, and he will plug them one way or another. So I would think it's Matzavau, number one for now, like Steele, number one in the running back room. And I would think Schley before Garbers. He's got these guys for a reason. So at this point, offensively, you know, we're, we're, we're trusting Chip. We're, we're just, just let it fly. Ride with Chip. Just take it. We're riding with Chip. And I like it, man. He is the highest ceiling, I think, of anyone in that tight end room former four-star caliber player. Habermill's my guy, though. I really like what he brings to the table. And that touchdown catch he had against Arizona, man, where two defenders just bounced off this guy. And I, I want to be very clear when I say this. I'm not comparing his play style to the greatest tight end of all time, in my opinion, and Rob Gronkowski. But the body type is eerily similar, like six foot six, 252, jacked, looks like a freaking Greek god out there can run routes, can block, can kind of do the hybrid of what the tight end position is nowadays. I'm really excited to see him, you know, in a, in a newer system with a newer quarterback coming out there. It's going to be fun to watch with Habermill. I wouldn't rule him out. But that battle is going to be something that I'm going to keep an eye on when it comes to spring ball. So that dude's the truth. Defensive line, dude. Um, I said this. I'm, 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 Zach, you're probably picking up I'm an optimist when it comes to UCLA football. Same here, same here. Football. Super optimistic. We have to be, right? I mean, what, what's life like if you're not an optimistic dude? 
The defensive line, dude, I think this has a chance. With Latu returning, we have the Murphy twins now who are shown flashes in their own right. And the bowl game, the biggest player that stood out to me was Jay Toya in terms of him being, finishing second on the team in tackles with 10, two tackles for a loss in the bowl game, really collapsed and showed that high four-star ceiling for UCLA. How are you feeling about this defensive line? Because I think this is the best one that Chip has had under his tenure. You know, it's a far cry from the Azanero system where we were sending seven, eight guys in the box. I am really, really high on this front four. And I think Latu might be Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year if he progresses from last season, Zach. And then I believe what? Yeah, Jake Heimlicher from Penn transfer in, right? As an edge rusher, a three-star transfer who was – we kind of mentioned a little bit of him earlier. It gives you a little bit of depth, right, in terms of the defensive line. And hopefully they need someone more on the interior that can give a good presence for UCLA on that D-line. But the edge, it seems like UCLA might have figured it out by just saying, oh, Latu, you're healthy to play, finding a Murphy. And then if they can continue to get that pressure like they did against Washington – where they brought Penix down a couple of times when he had not been sacked until that point of the season. But then they need to find a way later in the season when you're playing a Jaden Delora and then a Caleb Williams, or those guys are going to run circles around you. You have to find ways to bring him down. And that's why he's probably going with more depth, maybe a little bit lighter. And then we'll see if those guys can get some speed and most importantly, hold, keep contain on the edge, right? When it comes down to those speed, kind of slithering quarterbacks. Caleb Williams won the Heisman. What does he do the best? Yeah, he can throw a dime down the field. It's just impossible to sack him because he's un you can just can't take him down. He plays, man. Yeah. He is so good at that. Nick Patty, I mean, we yeah. saw. It. I mean, not necessarily a guy that, you know, you think of with mobility. You know, one of the first plays of the game he has a 45-yard run was evading pressure all day. So I think you're right with that. It has the talent level where I feel comfortable with them coming into the season, but for them to take that next step, they've really got to adjust to the more, you know, scrambling like quarterbacks that Delora play. I remember it was like third and 18, you know, when it was in the goal area and Delora just rolled around and fired a touchdown pass. That was unbelievable in that Arizona game. That was hurtful. Uh, we talked about the linebacking crew already, so I'll kind of blow past that. But Zach, as I mentioned earlier, you know, the, the secondary is kind of the area that we've been most frustrated as, as UCLA fans. A lot of talent back there, too. You look at just the caliber of recruits these guys were. Jalen Davies, the transfer from Oregon, high four-star. Devin Kirkwood, high four-star player. Kamari Ramsey, the jewel of the 2022 recruiting class, high four-star. Now you got Jordan Anderson, a safety that started for multiple years in the MAC. This secondary should be no worse than six in the Pac-12, in my opinion, given the talent level that they have there and now the experience of them, you know, going out there and having a year under their belt for most of these guys starting outside of Ramsey. Give me your take on the secondary, man, because I, I think this is a crew that, if coached the right way, can be very, very productive. Yeah, I know we kind of – you touched on it earlier. The new DBs coach could maybe make a big impact, maybe as the passing game coordinator, and maybe that could change things. It's funny considering UCLA lost a lot of experience and old guys, COVID old men – in the college football world, in the secondary, right? Like in the ZZ Hearn, Stefan Blaylock, just those guys who are very old in that secondary. So I think the one who was who I was impressed by the most, as far as a returning Bruin, I think Jalen Davies, because he had a couple of big plays, a couple of big interceptions. I think the secondary is where UCLA will win or lose their season defensively. If they can't 
do it, then they're going to be in for more than seven to eight win year. If their secondary is good, then maybe they could compete. Of course, there's a lot of physicality involved up front, but I, I'm, we'll see. We'll see how the secondary goes. Bill McGovern, we'll see how he comes back. Hopefully he's healthy a full year. The new DBs coach, there's room, as you mentioned, for hope, for promise. They just got to show it on the field. And now we just got to wait to see when another elusive quarterback, Grayson McCall, what he looks like at Coastal Carolina on September 2nd, later in 2023, if he's burning them for 400 yards, then it'll be a long Pac-12 season. If they get him stopped and they pick him off a couple of times, then there's reason for hope in 2023. I love it, dude. And there's a lot of reasons for hope, I think, with the program moving forward. High recruiting classes, high transfers. We are in the modern era of college football where, you know, even if it's the offseason, it's never off. You know, we got news coming in every day and every hour. I like to close the show with just a kind of more of a fun question. I bring guests on here and kind of just, you know, try to get a connection with the people that come on. What shows have you been binge watching as of late, Zach? And what are you into? Let's see. Every night, it seems like I'm going to bed watching New Girl. I love oh, New show. Girl. Yeah. I love that show. Um, let's see. For some reason, I was late into season two of Bridgerton, so I most recently watched that with my girlfriends. Um, I went on a Rocky movie mar- marathon a couple weeks ago during the crazy rainstorms. Uh, I mean, there's so many, you can't even figure out which rainstorm it was, but I watched, what, Rocky two and three. I know that's not a show. And then I gave The that's Last good. of Us a try. I'm not into zombie end-of-world thrillers or, you know, so I haven't really gotten into, you know, The Last of Us, although it's supposed to be a highly rated show. So for me, New Girl almost every night. And then Bridgerton was the most recent. But my my binge watching can go from a variety of things. I love Cobra Kai. Cobra Kai never dies. That's, you know, when it comes on, I'm a sucker for Cobra Kai. I love it, dude. Yeah. Well, Rockies are some of my favorite movies, so we'll connect on that. And, dude, we got to have you on once again in the off season. Bruins football never stops nowadays, as I mentioned. So thank you for coming on, Zach. It was our pleasure to have you on. Um, look forward to more off-season news. Make sure you're liking and subscribing to the YouTube channel for LAFB and the UCLA channel. Uh, Bruin Bible, we are officially out. <laughs>